0: Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee.
1: Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce. Yes. All remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook.
1: Abraham Hamilton III.
0: Dr. Renton Rathbun.
1: Dr. Lee Brand
0: and Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary culture proof kids and teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register when registration fills up for those tracks. The kids tracks. We close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms.
1: All right. Question. Mm-hmm. Is functionable a word?
0: No, probably not. So fu- functional.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, don't let her do it.
0: Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th.
1: That's right. Go to cultureproof.net.
0: Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Nikki, And I'm Will. And today we are talking about the plausible argument um, of Jackie Hill Perry. She was recently at a Living Proof event, um, which is a ministry of Beth Moore. And there was a QA and a session, and um, she gave an answer uh, to a mom who has a daughter who is living a homosexual lifestyle, and her answer is incredibly problematic to me. Um, Look, with respect and appreciation for what, number one, the Lord has done in Jackie Hill Perry's life, and number two, um, the encouragement and the challenge that she's been. Um, But I have to say that this answer that she gives is a twisting of scripture, Mm. and you have to be very careful because what you actually get from her response is almost sort of like a validation for sin. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of like when people have been searching for the answer that they want and they find it. That's yeah. that's kind of what it sounds like.
1: Yeah, definitely. You got to be careful with trying to <laughs> get an answer that you you want to hear, you know, and it, that's what it sounds like that, you know, from the audience that people got what they wanted to hear, man, what we want to hear may be wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, biblically speaking. So we have to always practice being Bereans, going to the word of God and saying, hey, is this correct? Is this right? We, our metric that we use, the, the standard that we use is the straight edge of scripture.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the problem with when there is a question about sin and our response sounds like if you like your sin, you can keep it. Mm. You know, that usually is an indication that we're off, that we're actually not telling people the truth because we find, um, the, the, Answer in scripture often, if not always, conflicts with our natural inclination. Remember, on our own, naturally, we are the right objects of God's wrath, we are his enemies. There is mm. nothing good in us, so it we don't find in scripture usually the answer that we are looking for when we come just ourselves. Now, if we are coming to submit ourselves mm. to Christ, then yes, you find the answer that you're looking for, because you say, not my will, Lord, your will be done. But if you can give an answer that tells people, you know, kind of like minimize your sin, um, just look for an affection for God, then man, you've given the wrong answer. And so what we what we want to do is we want to play this uh, clip here in its entirety, and then kind of come back out of it, and kind of talk and then play it again. Because I think, you know, look, it sounds just believable enough. It mm. sounds like an argument that you would say, man, What's wrong with that? And and man, we, there's a lot wrong with it, and eternally destructive is it? Okay, <laughs> there's so much wrong with it. So here we'll play the clip. This is again, um, we were tagged in this post on Facebook. It is a Q and A from um, Living Proof, a Living Proof live event where Jackie Hill Perry is a guest of uh, Beth Moore. Uh, here we go.
2: I have a gay daughter. I love her, and I want to keep our relationship strong. I pray for her constantly. She is engaged to her partner. Is there anything else I can do? Um, hmm. the, her need is, is bigger than her sexuality. Um, because I, I think so- I want you
0: to say that statement again. Okay. Let's, let's take that again.
2: Her need is bigger than her sexuality. And I say that because we can sometimes make the gayness, the big thing that we focus on and not seeing that the sexual practice is coming from a heart that needs to be renewed. And the renewal of the heart won't necessarily mean a change in sexual preference. The renewal of the heart means that this person will prefer God over everything else. So. I think if you just focus on the most obvious sin then you miss praying more specifically for the need which is that their heart would be made a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone um, and so that's what I would say I, I think another thing I would say is that pray in the direction of Paul's uh, counsel to the church in Corinth when he he talks about Um, Fleeing sexual immorality and he says or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice, practice, practice. So he's not talking about nouns. He's talking about verbs, adjectives. He's talking about people who are practicing the behavior, not experiencing the attraction. The distinction is important. Mm -hmm. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Notice he didn't say, but you were straight. He, He didn't say, but you were heterosexual but you were married. Like that, that's not the prayer. The prayer is that you are washed, meaning pray that they'll be cleansed from their sins, but you were sanctified. Pray that the Lord will set them apart and make them holy. And, and, and then he says you were justified. Pray that the Lord will make them righteous and remove their guilt and reconcile them to the Father. And how does this happen? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The simple fact that it happens by the Spirit of God means that you don't have the capacity to save your child. You don't, you're not a savior, but you can pray to the savior that he would save. And so that's what I would say. Be encouraged that, that God is, his, his arm is not too short to save. So you ain't got to manipulate people. You ain't got to be like, be sad and all the things, but don't stay there because if he rose from the dead, then surely there is more hope available than you can ever imagine.
0: Okay. So let's just kind of begin with that. Um, that sounds just convincing enough, right? And it yeah. feels just good enough that, okay, then then that's where we are, right? We just want to pray that the person will love God more than their sin. I want to talk about why all of that is problematic. And I really want to break this clip down because I feel like um, this is destructive to the yeah. body of Christ. I'm yeah. just, your initial thoughts.
1: Yeah, my initial thoughts are sad, sadness. I, I feel like, man, it's sad for me to hear the people applaud. Such error,
0: oh that's my goodness, being, yeah you
1: know, spouted off, like like <laughs> and but it it kind of shows you where we are. I feel like when someone says something like that, and I you know I'm not trying to be judgmental of the people in the audience or whatever, but I feel like the body of Christ in general, we have to be more uh sound biblically, mm-hmm. you know, so the thing is when you hear something like that, that should be something that goes off, you know, and hopefully some of those people in the audience it did go off, like hmm. Uh yep. wait well, this yeah. it's not but from what you hear it's like applause and oh yeah. yeah so sadness so i i feel like because that's uh a picture of what we're dealing with uh in the body of Christ in America by and large, like I think you know, we want our ears tickled, especially on these issues. We try to soft pedal, we, we want the answer that will not get us in trouble, mm-hmm. that would not get us persecuted, that would not get us at odds with maybe loved ones and things like yes. that because we are being loving and we're yeah. being charitable, but it's not biblical. So, what she was saying gives people a license to continue on having sinful desires. Mm-hmm. She's just saying, oh, as long as you're not doing it, you can have that in your heart, but that's totally against what Jesus Christ said about our heart and our desires and what should be as far as sin. That should not even be there. Even those desires being allowed, man, that's egregious mm-hmm. because, man, what about becoming a new creation? What about those desires, those sinful desires, even being changed? So what we're say, what we're saying here is that that's error, and what she's saying is another uh, way of uh, affirming gay Christianity.
0: Point blank. That's what immediately came to my mind. Um, and I'm so glad that you just went ahead and addressed that. This is gay Christianity repackaged. And because it said with Jackie Hill Perry's voice, it sounds like that's not what it is, but that's exactly what it is. And look, and I want to say, guys, we have got to return to the type of discernment where we say, listen, we can respect your body of work. We can respect what you've done and how you've opened a lot of people's eyes to the reality that Jesus saves and sets free. But just because Jackie Hill Perry is married and has children does not mean that she now gets to present a type of comfort in sin that does not address not only the practice, but the desires. Jesus Christ came to transform our desires. And if we start to ignore that, then what you're saying Basically, it's something that we are already dealing with in the church, and that is gay Christianity. I want to go back to how she kind of begins. One of the first things she says in this clip is she goes, her need is bigger than her sexuality. So already you see her separating practice from who the person is. Hmm. Right. This idea that I can do something or be something and those two things be totally different. No, the Apostle Paul actually doesn't leave space for that in the very scripture that she refers to when the Apostle Paul is talking about all of the things that the people did. He says, that's who you were. Mm hmm. So they were, those Such are now, some they, you. they were what they were doing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't just that they were practicing these things. That is what made them who they are. So you tell me how you can still have the desire but that not characterize who you are. Remember, when you say to a person, so in the clip and, and by the way, let's I, I would like to just kind of work in and out of this. So so let's I'm going to bring the clip back and then we'll kind of do some start and stop here and we'll bring in the scriptures and we'll talk about it because it's one thing for us to just make a sweeping statement and say, man, Jackie Hill Perry is wrong. But it's something totally different for us to say, no, let's look at the word of God. Let's look at the word of God. Let's look at what she presents here. And let's see if we can reconcile what she presents to the holy word of God. What you will find is that you cannot. So getting back to the question again, let's just start it from the top.
2: I have a gay daughter. I love her and I want to keep our relationship strong. I pray for her constantly. She is engaged to her partner. Is there anything else I can do? Um, hmm. her need is is bigger than her sexuality um because i I think i want you
0: to say that statement again because let's let's take that again
2: her need is bigger than her sexuality
0: i'm going to pause it there okay her need is bigger than her sexuality Now, why is this a problem? Because what it says is that she has something that she needs apart from how it is being manifested. No, her need is being manifested in the wickedness that is homosexuality. Just as our need would be manifested in the wickedness that would be lying, Okay, Mm -hmm. that would be stealing, that would be fornication, that would be adultery. All of these things do express a need, but never ever would we say to someone, your need is bigger than your adultery. (laughs) We would say that these are the ways that you present your need. Mm. We we would look at those things and we would say, wait, those are the things that make you the enemy of God. (laughs) Those are the things that point to your your clear separation from God. We don't do this, what Jackie Hill Perry is doing. We don't do this with any other type of rebellion against God. Where we kind of take like this soft-pedaled approach to sin where we're like, her need is bigger than her sexuality. Yes, but the the presentation of her sexuality is what indicates the need. You 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 can't ignore one. Like you can't say she has a need apart from her sexuality. Guys, listen, that's a that's a that's a quick two step and it sounds really good. And Beth Moore was here for it. Right? Because she's like, wait a minute, say that again. Say that again. Guys, that sounds really good. It tickles the ears, right? Because it presents like this, you know, well, I can, I can, um, I can look at my other need and I don't have to worry about my sexuality. But what I am saying is that your sexuality actually is presenting your need. Hmm. These are remember, this is God's case against humanity. Romans one tells us all of the ways that we have rejected him. It tells us all of the ways that we have rebelled against him. So you cannot separate the sexuality from the need. The sexuality is what presents the need. It it makes the need glaring so that you can't ignore it. But what Jackie Hill Perry is saying, ignore that. She needs Jesus. No, but that's the thing that reminds us, that tells us that she needs Jesus. It's any other sin. It would tell us that, hey, the person needs Jesus. How, How do we know? How do we know that we need a savior? The Bible clearly tells us that we are in rebellion against God. And then Romans one breaks down for us all of the ways that we rebel against him. But nobody would say, man, ignore the fact that he is an idolater. Mm-hmm. His need, And I'm going to, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Cause I want, I want to show you how the apostle Paul dealt with the needs as they presented themselves. He didn't ignore the needs. Like he didn't say, Hey, their need is greater than me condemning this idol worship. No, he condemned it. Now, he he straight up called it sin, right? And we are compelled to do the exact same thing. Are you looking for something fun and impactful for your kids to participate in this summer? Maybe you will allow them to join us and our family for a week in North Carolina at The Refuge. This is in Aiden, North Carolina. For one entire week, we and our family and a bunch of teenagers. And mayflies and mayflies who all love Jesus. We don't know if the mayflies love Jesus, but the kids certainly love Jesus. We're gonna be teaching biblical worldview. This is a week intensive of equipping and training kids to defend the truth of what they believe and to be able to stand boldly in a culture that is hostile to that truth. You can learn more by going to ncrefuge.org. That's ncrefuge.org, July 21st through the 26th. You have the opportunity to join us and our entire family Mm -hmm. for a week of culture proofing.
1: Yes. It's going to be fun. It's going to be intensive. It's going to be great. It's going to be some memories that they're going to be a take back home with them. So sign your child up now.
2: So, okay, getting back here. Let me, let me, let's go back. And I say that because we can sometimes make the gayness the big thing that we focus on and not seeing that the sexual practice is coming from a heart that needs to be renewed and the renewal of the heart won't necessarily mean a change in sexual preference the renewal of the heart means that this person will prefer god over everything else Hmm. and that
0: Okay, oh, man, this, this mm. is
1: really, this grieves not me. not what Jesus said. Go ahead. No, I'm just thinking about, you know, you, you mentioned uh, adultery. And Jesus mentioned that, you know, if a man looks upon a woman, you know, in a in lustful manner or whatever, he has committed adultery in his heart. So, I mean, look, you can't get, trying to soft pedal something, trying to give an answer, you know, I... What initially should happen is, okay, Bet Betmore, somebody else on that stage, I don't know. Uh, Could you give me a, a book, chapter, and verse about that? Give like,
0: me a defense for that Can position. you show
1: me in the Bible where that is the truth? But they won't do that because they want to have that same type of soft pedaling type answer. You know, this is the, the, the being culture proof we're talking about. Yeah. Like this is when a culture has seeped into the <clears> church, <throat> you know, and caused us to do all these gymnastics to try to twist what is black and white in scripture.
0: Mm-hmm. So the scripture that you are referring to is mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter five. I'm going to begin reading at verse 27 and I'm going to go to 30. Matthew chapter five, verse 27. The Lord says, you've heard. That it was said, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The thinking and the inclination is as much as the doing.
1: Mm.
0: So, so if we if <laughs> if we have beef with the the inclination and the desires, and saying that you know, well, we should be able to separate those from practice, then you got to take that up with the Lord. You got to take that up with the Lord because the Lord went a step further, right? And said, it's not just the things that you practice. It's what's in your heart. Mm. It is what you desire. It's what you actually want to do. So what we're talking about, what, what Jackie Hill Perry is normalizing in her response is just behavior modification
1: Mm.
0: It's behavior modification. So it's like, it's like, and, and then she specifically says renewal of the heart won't necessarily mean a change in sexual preference. Wait a minute. Renewal of the heart won't necessarily mean a change in sexual preference. So in other words, if I like my sin, I can keep it as long as as I I don't don't act act on it. it. There is nowhere in scripture that you see that. Listen, so dangerous is just the desire. So dangerous is the sin proclivity of the heart that Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 5. This is verse 29. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So Jesus is not playing with sin. <laughs> jesus is not jesus is not playing so notice in the scripture that the lord addresses both the heart and the actions because in the eyes it's what you mm. desire with your eyes and the hand is in the doing so jesus actually covers both bases he says so if you desire it okay it's as good as done and then also if you do it is done mm. so he says if your eye causes you to stumble pluck it out if your hand causes you to stumble cut it off so with your eyes and what you prefer what you desire, okay, and we, in your hands and what you do. Guys, this is very plain. This this is not even a quantum leap to get here. Yeah, Jesus is discussing the attitude of the heart, okay? But again, people love this, and their help comes to them very quickly <laughs> when they hear it. Why? Because they love their sin. Mm. Because the question is, if you can play fast and loose with what God is actually saying in Scripture, then the next question is, well, what about my sin preferences? Mm. Do I get to keep my sin preferences too? I mean, because if those who are the homosexuals get to keep theirs, then why can't I keep mine? Like, what if what if my preference what if my preference is for married men? <laughs> like, what if I prefer married men? What if there's just something more attractive about a married man than a man that is single that you could rightfully have? Like,
1: can, oh, can oh, what, I- what if I'm minor attracted?
0: Oh, my. Come <laughs> you on. You know, Let's, I just come on.
1: like little kids. So I can, I can keep that desire within my heart. Long as I don't do anything, that's fine. It's perfectly fine for me to walk around here, walk around your children, you know, having this desire within my heart that hasn't been dealt with because I can keep my sin.
0: Yeah, come on. Listen, and when Jackie Hill Perry says that we need to, and I, I'm going to go back and play some more of the clip here. I don't know if she's already said it, but I'll go back and play some more of the clip. Mm hmm.
2: So I think if you just focus on the most obvious sin, then you miss praying more specifically for the need, which is that their heart will be made a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Um, And so that's what I would say. I I think another thing I would say is that pray in the direction of Paul's uh, counsel to the church in Corinth when he, he talks about Um, fleeing sexual immorality and he says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice, practice, practice. So he's not talking about nouns. He's talking about verbs, adjectives. He's talking about people who are practicing the behavior, not experiencing the attraction. The distinction is important. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Notice he didn't say, but you were straight. He he didn't say, but you were heterosexual. But you were married. Like that—that's not the prayer. The prayer is that you are washed. Meaning, pray that they'll be cleansed from their sins. Okay, let me just let me just
0: stop it there. Okay, because this is so like this is. um, I think that this is willfully. And, I, and I, I don't mean this to be like a pejorative. I, I, I really do mean this in the sincerity of its definition. I think that this is willfully ignorant. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a, a desire or making a determination that I'm just going to ignore what is clear in the scriptures. Like And, and I you know, there's a part of me that is like, okay, I think that what we know about Jackie Hill Perry is that, man, she is smart. Like, mm-hmm. she's smart. Like, she understands um, you know, the sinfulness of sin and she understands, um, the wickedness of, of, you know, (laughs) the enemy. Like I, I, so to me, it's an, I think it's inexcusable and, and I'm trying to be careful here because again, I do not want to assassinate Jackie Hill Perry's character, but I do want to say that this is an egregious twisting of scripture. So if you go back to the very scripture that she is using, the Bible says this, this is, she's referring to first Corinthians chapter six, verses nine through 11. Okay. So first Corinthians chapter six, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay. So remember that the unrighteous are people. Like you don't have a category of acts and then people. Mm. And you say these unrighteous acts will not inherit the kingdom of God. How were the unrighteous acts carried out through the agency of people? Right. So the people are doing these things. These are the things that make the people the right objects of God's wrath. Okay. this is who they are. And there's another scripture. and, And I, you know, in context of it. Well, let me finish up with First Corinthians, because I, I was thinking about another context in the proverbs where um, you know, in, in one of God's wisdom books, he talks about like if you are invited to go to an event mm-hmm. and you know, you've got this person who is like giving you all of this food, like be careful how you eat, because this person is letting you eat all this food, but in his heart he's really despising you. And then and the proverb says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it doesn't matter what he's doing externally. What he really feels in his heart is who he really is, right? Mm-hmm. So in context. Context, It's dealing with how we carry ourselves when in front of people at events and things like that. But I think there is a principle here that we can understand that what a person thinks, feels, believes in his or her heart is who that person really is. It does not matter what the external display is.
1: Yeah. And I'm just thinking about uh, God speaking to uh, Samuel. Um, and, and in his phrase, he said, you know, man looks at outward appearance. Yes. God looks oh, at the heart. So right. He tries the reins of the heart. So even when, when God is looking at man, yes, he's looking at the heart. He's looking at the intentions, the motives, because out of that is what comes the sinful acts. Yes. It starts within the heart. Mm. So, so those things, you, you can't just separate that and say, well, you know, um, as long as they're not doing the act not doing the act. God is concerned in a way that he judges by the heart. Mm-hmm. And by, so it, he's looking at the heart. So if that, if those desires are there, they have to be dealt with. Come on. They have to be dealt with because they're sinful desires.
0: And the scripture that I was referring to is Proverbs 23, verses six through eight. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he the reality of who we are. Um, I'll, I'll continue on as Jackie Hill Perry was looking at first Corinthians chapter six, verses nine uh, through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the, the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Okay. These are not verbs. (laughs) These are nouns. These are people. Right. These are the people who are doing these. These are idolaters. That is a person. Mm -hmm. Okay. That that is a an idolater is a person. So these are not verbs. That is that is a lie. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say, you know, when you go through this list and you say, you see, these are practices. No, these are people who do these things that make them these people. Like this, this is a distinction that says you, this is who you are. Yeah. Right. So what, what Jackie Hill Perry is presenting is that you cannot practice those things and, and still feel them in your heart, Mm -hmm. but they don't make you the object of God's wrath. I just, (laughs) that is incompatible with anything else we find in scripture.
1: I think this is an example and I'm not trying to say anything against uh jackie hill perry personally but i i think that this is an example of a doctrine of demons Mm. just just look at it this this is a doctrine of demons to say that you can still have the same desires sinful desires Mm -hmm. as long as you don't practice it as long as you don't do it that you can still house those desires and it's all right with god come on that's contrary to scripture and so, you know, people are like what? What is the doctrine? I, I believe that this is a doctrine of demons because it is is setting people up. Like this poor dad, you know, I, he's in a situation. He's ask, asking this question, but this answer does not help him out. This is not a helpful answer. It's a it's an answer to try to soften the blow or to try to make it seem more palatable than what the Word of God says about this. And so, that is a doctrine of demons.
0: When you when you look at the scriptures and man, I've got so many here. Um, I'm thinking of Psalm chapter 66, verse 16, and I want to pull it up here and I want to read it um, because here you have the psalmist. Psalm chapter 66, verse 16. Yeah, here you have the psalmist says, come in here, all who fear God, and I will tell you of what he has done for my soul. Now, listen to this. okay? so because, again, we're talking about whether or not you can have sin in your heart, but you just don't act on it. Okay. Psalm chapter 66. I'm going to begin at verse 16. Come in here, all who fear God, and I will tell of what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth and he was extolled with my tongue. But listen to this. If I had regarded wickedness in my heart, Hmm. the Lord would not hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away from my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. If I had regarded sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. Do you understand that when we create a doctrine where we allow people to keep sin tucked neatly in their heart while not even identifying it as sin to them, like saying that, you know, it's just your desires may not change. This creates a doctrine of just preference. (laughs) You know, basically what Jackie Hill Perry is saying, pray that your daughter will desire God more than sexual intimacy with another woman. Now, don't pray for that sin to be eradicated and put to death in her life, but just pray that the preferences will change. Wait a minute. Wait. So so this is just these are options. These are options. Right. Yeah. This is yeah. this. The, the Bible clearly says that we can't serve two masters. You see, this response presents a type of um, a a type of. Man, for lack of a better word, here at the moment, cohabitation of the flesh and the spirit. Mm. Like that the flesh and the spirit can dwell together nicely, and the flesh will say, Well, but at least, okay, if you if you love God more than me, I'm okay, but I get to stay, right? Like, no, they are in war. They are at war with one another. There is a constant enmity between our flesh and our spirit, right. between us and God, right? We are the enemies of God. There is no like, um, there is no, oh, there's a word I'm looking for that it escapes me at the moment, but our flesh and the spirit of God are not.
1: At odds with each are other. They're at odds at with odds. one another. That's right.
0: So when we present to people that you can just kind of like, you know, just prefer God more rather than saying, like, there's a reason that the language of, of scripture as it pertains to sin is mm. death mm. It's mortifying the flesh. Like, like why, why don't we just kind of like, you know, bind it up? <laughs> why, why don't we just tuck it away? Why? Because the flesh if given even a drop of water wants to live the flesh in constant conflict with God wants to live. It does not want to be put to death, but what are the instructions that we find in scripture that we must put the flesh to death? Our desires must change. What we want to do must change. We live in a culture right now where everything is just sort of like, "Eh, you know, but, you know, your preferences matter too. Pray, pray that she would prefer God more than her sinful desires. Okay, well, here's what that looks like. It looks like putting those sinful desires to death. Yeah, that's that's what a preference for God looks like. It doesn't look like keeping your sin if you like it. This is a destructive heresy. This is a this is as you say. This is a doctrine of demons that is leading so many people astray. I got to tell you, when we were tagged in this Facebook post, so we go to check out the post, and you can see all of the comments under the post that people are like, "Man, this is brilliant." Some people are like, "Man, this is uh, this is what I've been looking for." I've been looking, and and that I think therein is the problem. Hmm. That this is what people have been looking for. They have been looking for an answer that tells them what they want to hear. Listen, in um, in Colossians chapter two, and I want to look at this particular passage of scripture, um, but then I also want to give a little bit of background because I think that it's important. Uh, in Colossians chapter two, you have the apostle Paul who is warning against these uh, plausible arguments, right? Mm. These arguments that seem just good enough. So Colossians chapter two, verses one through 10, uh, a little bit of background before we get here, right? So uh, Epaphras, who was a companion, a traveling companion of the apostle Paul, um, encountered the apostle Paul when he was in Ephesus. Okay. And if you read, uh, in Acts chapter 19, you can see the tremendous work. And I'm giving you this background because it's so important to understand what Paul then writes to the church in Colossae. Okay. So you've got a papyrus who was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. He encounters the Apostle Paul. He hears the gospel um, while the Apostle Paul is in uh in Ephesus. Okay. And if you read Acts chapter 19, you get this picture of like, man. You know, the apostle Paul is slicing and dicing. Okay. You've got people like giving up their practices. You've got people like getting rid of their idols. And he upsets Ephesus so much that they're like, hold up a second. You know, (laughs) these are the men that have turned the world upside down. They've come here now. You know, the temple of Diana is going to fall into disrepute. Like, come on, like, what are we going to do? Right. This is what's happening in Ephesus. The apostle Paul is not playing footsies with idolatry (laughs) and saying, hey, I just want to present to you another option. (laughs) Like, no, this is the one true God. And how do we know that this is happening? Because people are turning away from their idols. And so then you've got the metal workers, okay, who are saying, wait a minute, this is our industry. They are so upset. Why? Because they know that if they turn away from idols, I'm not going to have a business. Hmm. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to make idols to sell to these people who need these emblems. (laughs) The apostle Paul is upsetting people. So it is in this context, right, that Epaphras comes to know Christ, and Epaphras goes back to Colossae, okay? And, and he is credited. Church historians say that Epaphras is credited with establishing the church in Colossae. But there's a problem that happens. There are some people who begin infiltrating the church with arguments that seem just reasonable. They seem like they're good arguments. They seem like they should be believed. And so the apostle Paul, based on this knowledge, okay, based on this knowledge, sends this letter while he is in prison in Rome, Okay, so here the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus about a little less than 10 years prior to the writing of this letter that he sends to Epaphras. Okay. And this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this. Now, listen. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive Mm arguments. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. So people were coming in with arguments that sounded just plausible enough. Mm -hmm. And the apostle Paul says, no, remember Christ. (laughs) Remember what you have been taught. Even though you have not seen my face, remember what you received. Why? So that it produces a stability in your faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Verse six, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Hold on a second. Wait, what? People are coming into the church at Colossae and they are bringing in arguments that are just plausible enough that it's upsetting people and people are kind of starting to believe this. Mm -hmm. And apparently Epaphras is like, hey, Paul, I need some help here right? The church that we've planted here, man, people are coming in and they're bringing some new doctrine. It's deceptive. <laughs> uh, can, Paul, can you help? And so the, the apostle Paul writes back and he says, hey, remember who you received. You received Christ, Continue to walk in that truth, yeah. continue to walk in that foundation. So to every parent, to every mom, who every dad, if you are praying for a child who is lost in sin, whatever the sin is, mm-hmm. don't pray that your child will find comfort by just preferring Jesus more than the sin. Pray that the child will be set free from the bondage of sin, that the flesh will be put to death, come that on. the child will come to the true knowledge, the, the revelation of our actual state. That we are God's enemies and apart from Christ, we will not see his face. Mm. This is the faith that, look, this is the faith that the mom, the dad, whoever wrote in and asked this question, this is the faith that this person had when they received Christ. Hmm. That I can't love my sin and love God. The Bible says that we can't serve two masters. We're going to love one or hate the other, right? You can't, you can't serve two masters. And so the person writing in to ask this question is asking this question because they know it's true. So what I'm saying is the same thing that the apostle Paul said to the church in Colossae, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Mm having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. What's my point. My point is for all of us who have come to Christ, we know the truth. We know the one in whom we have believed. We are convinced that he is able to keep us until the day of his appearing. We believe that if this, if this mom, and I believe it's a mom, If this mom did not believe that there is deliverance, that there is freedom for the child, for the daughter involved in this question, then she would not have asked the question. Instead, what she got was a plausible argument that feels just comfortable enough. If you like your sin, you can keep it. (laughs) It is because of this. and It is because of the love that, that I feel for this mom, for a dad, for an uncle, for a cousin, right, who has a loved one that you are praying for. That is lost in deception. That I say, man, Jackie, you're wrong. You're wrong, and this creates a type of comfort in sin. That man, it condemns people to hell. Mm. It it blunts people's ability to be able to discern sin, to be able to discern unrighteousness. That it is. Look, the the outflow of our actions come from the heart.
1: You know, and it also um, gives a picture of God being powerless to deliver completely. Mm. You know, that's a, that's another conversation, you know, is there a belief that God can totally deliver from sin, you know, even the desires that are there. And I think that's another conversation because I think there are some people that would say, well, well, I don't know if he's able to, to totally deliver. He is. Yes, he is. He is, you know. And so, I, I, man, it's just all around. It's a softening of what, you know, the Bible has said concerning what sin is and how it should be treated.
0: Yeah, man, it grieves me because I, you know, I I feel like you've got people who have been rescued out of sin in dramatic ways. And then they happen upon people who teach them how to make sin palatable and then even how to give answers that, you know, make sin palatable. And then rather than presenting to people the same, you know, um, the the veracity of truth the the you know time tested truth that they themselves received and were then one to Christ they presented them something that is repackaged and and I feel like that's what Jackie Hill Perry did in this response this idea of you know if you like your sin you can keep it and this is this is you know I, I not to pile on here but this is a he gets us kind of Christianity. Mm. You know, this is where Jesus is your homeboy and, you know, he just wants to kick it with you. He, he doesn't he doesn't want to utterly destroy and put down rebellion. That's that's the kind of Christianity that Jackie Hill presented in this answer. This is the cultural norm. This is this is what we're facing. and And probably what's most destructive is that there is the use of Scripture to justify this unbiblical answer. Mm. We've got to be discerning, guys, when we resist the cultural trends that rival the truth. We remain culture proof until next time lord willing
1: god bless you.